Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. And my name is Gina. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you finally get to hear what Trav's been rambling on and off about for the past 10 years. Uh, If you can't go long, go deep. Yeah, well, oh, jeez. Up the hill, in the snow, both ways. Ate dirt and was thankful for it. Yeah, got it. I sound like you had father. dirt. Yeah, yeah. We had to grind the chips off of a big boulder, and I was thankful for that dirt. Okay, tonight we are going to do a subject I've been wanting to do now, actually, for a couple of years. Various things have held back, logistics, pandemic, whatnot. But tonight's topic is first-time campaign creation, something that every GM has to go through. The horror, the horror, the, <laughs> the and, and now stress, the stress. All I'm thinking now is the guy with the Hindenburg. Oh, the humanity! Yeah. And tonight we have a very special guest. That is right. We have with us via Skype the mother of May's world, the host of the spinoff show of the Travcast called Perky Gots Prime Time, Friday nights, nine to eleven p.m. Eastern on DementiaRadio.org. My partner in crime and game setting design, and yes, I kind of made that rhyme. You see what I did there? Gina Osborne, aka Perky Goth. Finally, you're here. Thank you for being yes. here, Gina. Yes. I had nothing to do. Wow, thanks. Wow. <laughs> I'm so glad you're bringing your A game, Gina. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I pop off one or two. We, we are the bottom no, of. I'm actually very excited to, uh, to be part of this. I've. Um, been listening to podcasts, mostly uh, uh, ancient history stuff. So I'm pretty excited. Now, I, as I said, while I was unemployed, first third of uh, 2021, I cranked out, and you know, end of 2020, I cranked out six campaign ideas. Now, yes, they could have fallen on any one of my four gaming nights throughout the week, but I know my gamers. Some of them I've gamed with more now for a decade at least. Some of them I know quite well. So I know their, their, their pressure point, so to speak, in that manner. And so I have a general idea of what I'm going to be throwing at my players and what to put in and not put in on a campaign. Usually it just comes down to, eh, I'm not keen on that idea. Like I want to run a Matrix campaign. Carrie's not. She loves the fandom, but just not is not interested in playing in a Matrix game. Fine. That's just due to, okay, she's not just, she's not feeling it. I'm not really into superhero. Right. So, yeah, even superhero. My, even my higher level characters, I'm like, uh, I kind of liked it when I was four, level 14. <laughs> yeah. And now you're level 19. Like, and yeah. I don't like over, I don't like powered characters, you know? Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, with a superhero campaign, you can go the route of, you know, like Batman. He has no powers whatsoever. He's just that good. Good, that, that so, good, not rich. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being rich what, is a superpower. What is I, your superpower? I, I, I'm rich. That's the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> that that line, yeah, that line in Justice League was one of the just the 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 one ops that just made me laugh out loud. Uh, what's your superpower again? I'm rich. Doors close. He drives off. Um, also, but, one. Uh, I think it was in. Uh, oh, what's that movie? Kick Ass. I think it was. Yeah, with a yeah. And the bad guy. That's what the bad guy decided his superpower was that he had money. Yeah. <laughs> well, it works for Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne, and yeah. Well, except that Tony Stark actually is a scientist. Well, so's Bruce Wayne. It's just not. He's Bruce more social. More of a ninja. He well, uh, ninja uh, he, detective. Yeah. yeah, he he's more of a social scientist. I see him more as a scientist detective. Always have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see him as more 
I mean, yeah, he knows chemistry and forensics, all that. I see him as more as a social scientist because he knows the criminal mind. He's into the the soft sciences or the social sciences, as they call them. Psychology, sociology, criminology. That's where where he knows how people operate and why he took the form of the bat to scare the crap out of criminals. Abnormal psychology. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. And if and, and, and we... You, Oh, no, because I've just recently seen the new Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. I've gotten into it at work about, okay, is the Batman sane? Technically, is he dissociative because he has these two different personalities? You know, just, oh, no, we get into this while we're there, you know, lifting 16-foot planks onto the cart and everything. He has one personality. It's Batman. And yeah. he pretends to be Bruce Wayne every now right. and then. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't there a, a thing where Wonder Woman was using the lasso of truth? And he, she asked him what his name was, and he said, "Just said Batman." He did. That's exactly right. And and it rang wrong as the truth. Yeah, and it was okay. I'm. We're going to share our identities. Clark Kent, Kal-El of Krypton, Diana of Themyscira, Batman. I was like, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, Bruce Wayne died at eight years old in that alley. Yep. Um. Okay. So yeah. As far as campaign creation goes, it's another example of know your audience. Knowing how far to go, where to draw the line on certain subject matter that is pertaining to the campaign and plots and arcs. It's like, if you're going to be dealing with human sacrifice, we all know what human sacrifice is. We've read it. All of us have read enough of history to know what it is. You don't need to sit there and describe the viscera and... Yeah, right. right. We all know. We know that when you get in there, 99.9% of the time, you're playing heroes. Yes. Most heroes are not going to want some innocent, have their heart cut out and offered to some god. We right. need to stop that, nip it in the bud now. So, okay, fine. But describing the viscera and everything, there are going to be some people that are going to be, we don't need. Well, I, I, we did describing viscera anyway, unless it was, you know. All you need to say is viscera. You don't need to sit there and, oh, and there's this. And I, that. No, no. I've, I've heard you do that. Well, you know, because I know the players, though. I know that, you know, I know that they're not going to get offended. There's a lot of other things. You've known me this long, Gina. There's a lot of things I can say that can offend people. That's not going to be one of them. Um, <laughs> she knows me that no. well. Um, no. The function to offend people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I said, it's. If you're having to constantly put content and trigger warnings in your campaign, you might want to rethink how you're running yeah. that particular aspect of the campaign. Um, it it just, yeah, it, it, there's less is more. Right. Implying something is going to happen. And not only the implication of something possibly happening unless you stop it, even if you get there and something is happening. You walk in during the sacrifice. You can say, yeah, the sacrifice has begun. Okay, you're seeing, you know, like Molaram in Temple of Doom with the heart in his hand and smoking. Fine, we all know that scene. We know what's happening. Right. Move along, you know, just, yeah. So that that's something with campaigns that I've noticed. And as I said, I have the same general thread of gamers over the years. I kind of know their likes and dislikes and... It's it's sort of just, you know, yeah, I can lump my general type of campaign criteria along this general mindset of these people. So, yeah, it, it that if you know your players that well, you know how to roll with that. But if your campaign, if you're creating a campaign for the first time. As in, this is your first time GMing and doing this. This is something you're going to need to figure out while you're planning it before you run it. And if you let's say you're a player in, in one of their games and you're going to be DMing them later, that's a good time to, as as the youngins say, suss things out. Figure out, okay, yeah, I found out from the last campaign that this person, this female player, had a an assault on her years ago. Okay, don't bring stuff like that up in the in my campaign. If it's going to be type of a Gotham City dark street level superhero, don't bring in the thing where 
something is happening to a woman in an alley. You know, just that'll trigger her. We don't want that. So yeah, it's another reminder that as you're getting as you in, introduce new players and getting to know them, and even for your more older, well-known players, it's always a good idea to have those cons- consent cards on the table. Okay, uh, try explaining that a little better. I think you may have said consent card in the previous taping. So just basically, put- it's just like you know, a little warning. Like oh, the 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 version I've seen has been like the um, it's it's basically like a little uh, like a traffic light system. You have like little yellow cards or red cards. Yellow cards mean oh, okay. You know, oh, and you have them on the Can table. I steal and, that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Any, it, you know, any player could, they're in the middle of the table and any player can reach over at any time and grab one and hold it up and say, uh, you're, you know, like the yellow is kind of, you're getting into some icky area for me, you know, yeah. slow it down. You know, maybe, and red is like, <laughs> stop now. This is stop now or I'm going to have to leave the table. Oh, safe. Yeah. The, the red card's the safe word again. Yeah. Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, that is a dementia joke. It's that whole thing. If you know, you know, um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I like the consent cards. I like that a lot. Um, no, another thing that would really be good is having, and I have these, and I forget where I got them from, a red flag and a yellow flag. Like, you know, the old, yeah, I'm going to throw a flag on that play, you know. And I have a red and a yellow set of football flags. And when I get people back in here, I'm thinking I have them, they just pick it up and hold it like, okay, you might want to just, you know. Yeah, so that could work too, just as long as you have caution and stop. And as I said, have them in the set. I like that. Have them center of the table that when anyone can pick it up at any time, just go, oh, yeah. And the important thing is that, you know, every player needs to understand that no questions asked. Yeah, don't, don't, don't shame somebody because they have an issue with something. Yeah, if somebody's throwing up that uh, yellow card, you know, yeah, don't be saying, oh, you big baby, sit down. No, you don't want to be doing that. Or that, no. yeah, especially the red card. It's it's like, okay, you might want to, you know, the, you know, explain, hey, this is a topic that I do not like discussing. Can we move yeah. to something else? And and everyone, yeah. the expectation is you just do. You just move yeah. on. Yeah, For, no, for again, the sanctity no questions of the asked. game, yes. And I mean, if you need to take a five minute break and yeah, go get some drinks or something, I need to talk with this player that, about this. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, even, even if you're, you're talking with them, you're just trying to get clarification of what topic is, is no go. You don't yeah. ask why. They yeah. never ask why. That is yeah. not your job. Like also, I, uh, I, uh, what's that term I, I, I uh, heard? Uh, session zero. Yeah, yeah, there is that. When you do a campaign creation for the first time, you might want to have a session zero. And not only character creation, but talking about, okay, these are the general... I mean, you don't want to be giving away... Yeah, you don't want to be giving away plot points during the thing. I mean, you give a general overarch. Okay, this is what we're doing in the campaign. This is the general threat of it. But yeah, it's like, okay, I want to know, is there any things that, no matter how small, are they going to be problems if I go there? Well, like, you know, expectations are a really important part of Session Zero. Yeah. Session Zero is is where you say what, you know, what is, things like, is death acceptable in this campaign? Some people would say no. Some people were like, what do you mean is death? And they never even thought of the possibility that maybe you don't have to actually kill people in the game. Maybe everybody who gets hit hard enough falls down unconscious and you just move away, just walk away from them. Be the G.I. Joe rule. Yeah, I mean, and, it's, it, and you know, when you're dealing with children, it's a really great rule because, you know, a lot of them haven't, you know, processed the idea of death yet. Not really. You know, you don't have to turn into little murder hobos, you know. And Okay, yeah, that that's the thing. I And, th- and this is not so much first-time ca- first character creation, but dealing with minors in these campaigns. In my Saturday campaign, first 10-year-old son and 8-year-old daughter are in this game. Now, the 10-year-old, I already explained, this is a military game. You are playing a soldier in a mech, and it's basically post-apocalyptic fantasy. Um, now, the 8-year-old, I, you know, I, I made her the rainbow bright type character because she's all about, but I had to explain. 
you're going to stand out like a sore thumb because you are all sunshine and happiness and light in a world where 99% of the world's population is dead. You have 70 million humans in a world where there were 7 billion. You are going to stick out like a sore thumb. You are going to be not anathematic, but just very out of place here. That you're full of happiness and joy, and a lot of people are just trying to rebuild society and their lives and realize that most of what they know is gone. And the cause of said pain is now walking among them because they have nowhere else to go. And so I have to know where, and I've been good so far, because if I go in a place I'm not supposed to, I'm going to get strong look from fur, like you might want to change this plot. You know? <laughs> so yeah, that's something else when you deal with first-time campaign creation especially if you're going to have minors play in this game. Now, adults is adults. I mean, they all vary, but there are just some, and all four of us here tonight are parents. Some of us are grandparents. <coughs> Not mentioning any names here, Gina. <laughs> by, by the way, by the way, real quick, how how is Oliver? I haven't really been able to uh, okay. because I, I caught the dreaded bug. His mom caught the dreaded bug. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Days. Yeah. Things were crazy. Then I lost my job. Yeah, but but so, still, you know, I, haven't, I really haven't had much of a chance to to uh, really interact very much, except around Christmas time. Yeah. So yeah, that needs to. Be but different. yeah, we we have we have the 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 Travcast second grandmother now, um, with Goth Bunny having Severus. But yeah, right. that that there are some just and as I said, all of us are parents here. Yeah. Certain rules among adults can fluctuate. Children in your games, there are hard and fast rules that you have to go by as a game master. I say fairy campaign. Just make it all about fairies. Well, that's that's <laughs> what I did. I gave I gave Alexis that type of character, and I'll honestly say, in thirty five plus years of game master, and I've never seen somebody it fish taking to water didn't go as fast as Alexis has with this campaign, this character. But when you make a campaign, if you're going to have kids playing in it, you really have to tighten your stuff up on content. Right. Because keep of the fact right, keep that... Keep it airy, keep it Smurfs. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and again, it's... She's playing in a military post-apocalyptic campaign. Right. And so I'm giving her her due to where I'm actually giving her agency. Oh, yeah, you cast this spell, and guess what? Flowers grew here where there's radioactivity. It's a sign of hope. You're doing your job here is spreading happiness. And so, yeah, it's... I saw an army of Smurfs coming up, and I'd be a little bit intimidated. Oh, no, (laughs) meanwhile, meanwhile, she's using the polar ray spell to drop Centrati. You know, I mean, (laughs) I told her she was mind-controlled, and this evil little gleam got on her face, and even her mother went, Oh dear God, what did you say to her, Trav? Yeah, but so yeah, it's it, it's basically know your audience and you have to know them at every level. You have to know, well, you don't have to know their past, but certain places just out of common courtesy and for the aspect of gaming amongst a group of your peers, there's just certain things you don't talk about. And I mean, it's not even the matter of, these are things that we don't say in mixed company. You know, no, just it's your peers. We all know there are just certain things. If you're in a certain age group or in a certain society subset, you just don't go there. With kids, there's a lot more rules that are added on to that. So, yeah, it's I'm. When when coming up with content. It, it's just a really good idea to have that set. Places when you're going throughout the campaign, what, what term? Hard limits. That's the term I'm looking for. Yeah. Just things that you are not going to deal with in the campaign. Things that you are not, themes that will not come up in the campaign due to just one, they don't fit, or two, they're not going to fit your player group. So, um, Okay, Gene, I'm trying to think of what else I want to touch on, especially in our experiences. See, here's the thing. Yeah, it's first-time character campaign creation. I keep wanting to say character creation. First-time campaign creation. I mean, yeah, you are doing it solo with the Bronze Age. 
this Bronze Age idea, and you've thrown it at the group, and we it, it's the whole idea. You've thrown it at the wall, and it hasn't stuck yet. It, that, sounds, that, it almost sounded like it was going to. That's what I'm excited about. That it, one guy was like the tiebreaker. <laughs> well, the whole thing was, the whole thing is, is that you have a campaign. Every campaign that is created has its time. Right. It's that whole throw know, it on the I, wall, I, throw I, it on the wall, see it if it sticks, you know. Now, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure that you'll come up with campaign ideas that just kind of flop on the first night. Uh, that that that'll hit hard for me. Just yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you've had a campaign fall on the first night. Uh, no, but I've had campaigns that after a few sessions, just okay, this ain't working out. Or no, my my main thing is just ideas I've had in campaign due to lack of experience that that first gaming group still throws in my face thirty years later. That's my thing. Um, no, Jerry was the one who had one that lasted maybe one or two sessions and just we stopped. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that does happen. You're going to have that. That's the other end of the spectrum. We said campaigns that have like, oh, yes, it's oh, we you know, you're running your third Maze World game now. You've run it at Gen Con to great success. And I remember that the first time I ran. Maze World at Gen Con. Gina typed out a speech for me to read to the player because <laughs> she was so excited that her campaign was at. I'm in the, you know, it's Gen Con. Come on. Well, well it, it it's like you know SpongeBob. Really, with this game, I'll be in the big time. You know, just, yeah, just, just... <laughs> that's Gen Con. That is big time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh oh, Mrs. Osborne, you have no idea. My first time there, 2012. I I I I. I, I... Thankfully, <laughs> Bruce and Blix and John were all there. To it's okay, Trav. It's just a con. It's a very big con. Yeah. Um, I survived to go another three years. So yeah. Um. But yeah, that is the, you know, where we talked about the highlight where you have a campaign that spawns multiple spin-off campaigns and you come back to it. Yes, we've done that with Maze World. Then there is the whole thing of you create a campaign, it lasts one session, and how to deal with that. Now there are some and and let's face it, and I'm gonna say this and one. I I am I it's not everybody, but it's a good portion. A lot of us people that run the are geeks and uh, let's face it, some of us geeks don't exactly have all of our emotional eggs in a basket properly. You know, we did, you know, we, we have, we have our times where we'll get too cocky or we'll say something stupid or emotionally, you know, if something goes wrong, we might, what the, you know, don't read the room properly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one uh, thing I'm afraid of doing a lot of times. Why well, I just keep my mouth shut because I'm a. Um, one of the things about ADHD is you miss cues. Oh yeah, same with autism. Oh yeah, no, and, and that we. Well, no, it's not. It's a completely different reason, though. Yeah. It's because we're not. We're so excited about what we are doing that we actually forget to read the room. Because, and for, we to, and, but because we actually need to get what is in our head out that we don't that we or it's going to disappear yeah yeah and, and you forget oh should this be out there in the first place that really isn't adhd that happens to everybody who gets who gets swept up in their own narrative with adhd is such a prevalent problem that it affects other things yeah and with autism it's just we're not read it's not so much we want to get it out there it's we're not reading the room because of our hyper focus. We're so intent on that idea that, again, we don't know our audience for that. And so, yeah, it's, but, I, but I'm talking about you're going to have that time where right now it's just other ideas have come up in the Sunday group that, okay, Jeff's going right. to run his fringe worthy in Skyrim and Gina's Bronze Age idea, it's time will come. Right. There is that time, though, where, yeah, you create this campaign from scratch. It is great. You have done it. And it flops on the first game. It's just everybody's like, no, we don't like this. We're done. And there is the concept of brushing it off, cleaning it up, and then trying again later. Or there are just some people that it, it's a hit. It's right. a hit to them, and they are just like, 
Planes the side, planes the board. You know, and they they walk off and and it's and, and we're gonna put this in the 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 gaming on the frontier lexicon. Every campaign has its time. It has think, its time I, where I it's ready to will, go. The maze will might be revisited, but I don't think it's gonna be uh, quite the same after this last campaign. Well, I think we've done pretty well. We've explored the day of the immediate aftermath and two years down the line. Yeah, right. I think I think at the most you and I, well, of course, with with campaign creation, I've done a lot of spinoffs of campaigns I've had. So it's those three words, Gina, never say never. Right. We, we may find. Well, for I now, I think it'll be the same in-depth dive that we will be doing after this. Well, well we fleshed it out relatively well i think it, it's safe to say that we've told a good part of the story we've done the night of the immediate aftermath and two years after the fact and we've woven this tapestry with all our various gamers over the past 10 years that and then we even brought them in from the time lords and magic campaign you know a couple days before everything went you know belly up where were they driving in that Michigan town to the hardware store to find the red crystal shard to reassemble yeah. the gem? Yeah. So, yeah, we've touched. I, I think at the most, you know, when a campaign, you've done it, you've ran it, it's time is done. Problem is, campaigns are like children. Now, the running joke I have with one of the many titles I have in, 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 and I, I've got like 20 titles that I have on a piece of paper on, on my, end table at the other end of the room and one of them is the game setting baby daddy because between myself and gina myself and pixie and myself and jen matthews i've created four different game settings with these three women and just in one way or another they've all endured the Mija k one with jen matthews it lasted only until she and i parted ways but we've brought elements from it in other campaigns heck one of Josie's previous characters, she just transplanted the character. Okay, one of the warps is on. Boom, you're in the Bureau 13 world. Fine. So even if you don't run a campaign, if it collapses on the first night, you can still take facets of it and essences of that campaign can survive on. A campaign, once it's out there, is never truly gone. As I said, Maze World, I think at this point, for me and for Robert and Gina, Trav and Perky Goth has attained guest star episode status. Oh, to sue, due to some Which dimensional... Which is exactly what it was meant to be, actually. Well, well, the thing was, we ended up turning it into this, now for you and me and people who know us, this iconic campaign. And at this point now, it's going to be, yeah, guess what? Yeah, oh yeah, you failed your, your intelligence role on Amnesty of the Plains. You find yourself in the Amazon jungle surrounded by several Yanomami natives with spears pointed at you. A very ornately dressed Yanomami shaman walks up and gives you this look like, really? Yeah, my players are going to know. Yeah, you're back in the Amazon at the Maze World Portal. There's South of Manaus and there's Barobi. So, yeah, our players are going to know this. Oh, we're back to the Maze World. Cool. And just they'll blink out and just, yeah. At the most, Maze World has gained that status to where it's never truly dead. And of course, Gina, again, I say never say never. Somewhere down the line, one of us is going to come up with, why don't we run the Maze World campaign, but it's just all the way over here. Or it's 10 years down the line. Or, yeah, it's in Maze World, but it's long, you know, it's like five years before the, the apocalypse. And just, yeah. Well, there's a lot... There's a, there are some things that I would like to explore within the maze itself, unrelated to the world. The human world, you mean? You human mean world. the maze culture within? Yes. Okay, see, then, as I said, no campaign is ever truly dead. The fact that, yeah, that Gina just now came up with... I don't know what to do with that idea. Well, it'll it'll come in time. You'll find right. some other little kernel of information that you'll pass by in media, TV, books, or whatever, 
and you will graft it to this idea you just had and go from there. And it'll build just like the main kernel did 11 years ago. And it's just. As I said, never say never. We're probably going to come up with another Maze World campaign somewhere down the line. Also, it's like Albert Einstein said, you come up with your best ideas while eating an apple. You could be running your Bronze Age campaign. I could be doing a couple other campaigns on Sunday. Five years from now, you and I could be sitting down and going, okay, it's time to crack, get the dust the dust off the green Bible and let's do this. Because there's still plenty of room left in that in that notebook, Gina. And it's like, yeah, I'd say it's about two-thirds full. But there's still more time to stuff more paperwork into that binder, into that folder. Right. That notebook. So, yeah, never say never as far as your campaigns. If you fail on the first night, let's say just the, the players don't like what's going on and not they're just like yeah i'm not pain, yeah they're not feeling time. you know uh, it's just the the plot isn't coming together like like you know you can't even get the plot off the ground you know you can you can transplant yeah it's a test audience if the yes. first group doesn't like it you you see where the, the pressure points were you see okay was it the group was it maybe i just didn't think this through right okay well touch it up dust it off Put a shiny new coat of paint on it and try it again. Well, well, my thing usually is, and I found out this 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 works better is like with the Misha K campaign, which was yeah, it was like 1700s Michigan. Detroit had just been established as Fort Pontchartrain, and you had the original St. Mary's Church there, and which is still St. Mary's St. Anne's. I think it's St. Anne's, still downtown today, just a little bit different building. Um, but the Indian tribes, excuse me, Native American tribes in the area were three different types of elves. The gnomes were all up in the Saginaw, mid-Michigan area, and they had Renaissance-level tech, so they were the big tech giants. And you had various things, and Jen Matthews and I plotted all this out. Problem is, the friendship collapsed. I gave her her notes. She went on her way. I still had the characters, though, and when Josie wanted a character for a previous the 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 team candlestick 2.0 bureau 13 campaign i just got done with said bring siuri warps brought her to japan from japan to southeastern michigan you could have another warp and she ends up dropped in the middle of bureau 30 campaign world so it's the 17th century kitsune sorceress from japan stuck in a modern world obviously the bureau is going to pick her up because they don't want her wandering around in the middle of you know downtown detroit so, yeah, you can, you know, shift characters from the campaign where you still have an essence of that campaign and just put it in a new one. If it works, do that. It will give that campaign some measure of immortality and it will also provide a very rich backstory because then you can get out those campaign notes from that quote unquote failed campaign and say, yeah, no, see, yeah, my character went through this here because they went through this adventure you know, the, the third and final session of the game. And so we did this. So I did this back in the day. I know how to do this here in this world. So, yeah. And, it, oh, God, it was something I, I I had with Josie. Her Pokemon Fringeworthy game that she did that myself, Bruce, and John Ryer did live play episodes, refer to those episodes. And... Josie was actually having issues trying to reconcile the Pokemon types, grass, fire, plant, with the bestiary types on how to do them. Humanoid, monstrous humanoid, magical beast, aberration, what have you. Had an autistic meltdown, threw the notes out. I found this out. Now, if all of you remember the first Spider-Man movie where Tony Stark is there chewing out Peter Parker... There in New York Harbor where he ends up taking the suit. That just whole, Tony rips him a new one. Piffle compared to what I did to Josie because I've got notes from 30 years ago. Many of the campaigns I've run the past four or five years are from stuff I wrote down 25 years ago. Save your campaign notes always. Like I said, every campaign has its time. And one of the things you're going to learn from first-time campaign 
and and Gina's learned this with doing Maze World, and I'm sure she's learning it now with this Bronze Age campaign. Your your idea will not stay the same that it is when you first thought of it. Mm-mm. Other that's influences come into play. That's one of the things I got from when I, uh, watching YouTube. You, it's not supposed to. If it's not changing, you're doing something wrong. Well, everything has to change and mutate and grow, or otherwise it stagnates and dies. That's just the right. essence of life. Right. That's the essence of even like a genre of music or a genre of of film or... Yeah, if it doesn't change and evolve with the times, it's going to die. And um, I'll give a perfect example as far as music. Uh, in Britain from like 92 to 95 or 96, there was Punjabi pop music called Bhangra. It never made it back to India. It was big in in Britain, though. It was Punjabi beats and singers and everything, but it all sounded like, you know... 90s, late 80s, early 90s kind of pop. And just after a while, 95, 96, it died out. It it wasn't changing. And the Punjabi people went back. And in Britain, they just went back to normal folk music. It died out after a while because it didn't change and mutate with the culture. It's the same thing with the game. If you plan something originally... If it's the same when you hit when it hits that gaming table, that's a rarity. As you plan your campaign, it's going to mutate and change and alter, and some ideas you're going to have to get rid of. Some of the ideas are going to be ones you really like, and you have to get rid of for one reason or another. This is something that Gina and I have both learned with Maze World. There have been times I'm sitting at home, my phone, like, damn, I wanted to do that, you know. And just she explains to me, okay, no, this isn't going to work out. That 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 fine. And I've done that to her. And it's not a matter of malice. I'm going to you know nix your idea. You nix mine. It's just there's a preconceived notion that you have, and you want to branch out on this thing. It's like it's not going to fit the narrative, or something. It it contradicts something we've already said. We don't want to retcon. You're going to have changes in your game between the time that you sit there and plan the time you. Okay, you're at the table. Here we go. If it doesn't change, if you end up with the exact same thing that you started with, you're going to be in a very rare minority. It's not a bad thing. It's just you're going to be in a very small group. So the other guys on this on this down here, have y'all have y'all had any experience of campaigns just falling on their face? Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, no, we, okay, let's see. It's 9.35 now. Uh, we're going to be ending this at 11 here, then, Bruce, because I know he is, he, he's the, you know, the out, out of the four of us here, he is, you know, with experience, the grand old master out of us four. I'm sure he has stories. I would say that the uh, worst case was my players, we were playing Fringeworthy, and my players decided they all wanted to play Companions of Doctor Who. Ah, Okay. Oh. You know, that was interesting. Went on, and I basically, I arrested the doctor and put him up on war crimes. Okay. Yeah. There was a whole big trial and all this stuff, and they had to prove that, you know, that, that A, they hadn't abetted him, and B, that he was actually a, a decent guy, you know, and that, and that everything he'd done was actually okay. And at the end of which, it says, wow, we finally got to the end of the story. That was amazing. Okay, well, I'll see you guys next week. And nobody came back. Wow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Either oh. I totally, totally just you know finished that storyline to the point they felt like there was nothing more to be said, or I cheesed them off so bad and was so unaware of the fact that they just said, you know, we don't, we got other things to do. <laughs> they just left me. That was, I was in my 20s when that happened, and that's a long time ago. And so I was like, okay, you know, um, I've had players leave me over the years, but never an entire group just basically didn't come back. (laughs) It's like, wow. So, (laughs) but it was great because I got to go and get into somebody else's game as a player for once. So it was like, yeah, because I wasn't having to run anything. To me, that's one of the most shocking things that's ever happened to me as a, G- as a GM. Because I, to- I totally did not see it coming. 
Okay. How about you, Jonathan? Shocking Tales. Oh, this was back, I think, uh, maybe second edition, maybe third edition D&D campaign. I thought it was running well. And kind of a similar thing. All of a sudden, it just nobody showed up to game no more. Um, although that one was a little bit, if it's, I think, slightly a different situation because we didn't have a regular game night because this was back when we were all in college. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah. Back in the days of, hey, everybody's got free time. You want a game? Yeah, sure. And then suddenly nobody had free time anymore. I, I know I did. Uh, you got a girlfriend. Joke mm. comes from. Um, well, it was a, a lot of, like, surprisingly enough, the woman who is now my wife was in that campaign. Was that the moment when she said, aha, that's going to be the man who bears my children? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think well, wait, point, wait, 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 wait. At wait. that particular <laughs> point in time, she was like, yeah, I like you, but not that way. That was the sign she was going to be that, That's That's where you look at her and go, so, honey, how that work, how that idea work out for you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bring it up every so often. I'll be asking her about that. I oh, remind no. her every now and then that, you know, you didn't want me. Some questions should not be asked. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Fur and I, it was shy. The designs that we have now were definitely not on our mind. And she told me that. And I, I, how'd that work out for you? Shut up. <laughs> But no, um, I've never had people not come. I I think more along the lines, my worst things were just monumental screw-ups in planning where just things came out goopy as hell. I just did not see how they would possibly be for the game. And so I'm there running games and I'll do something or say something and just the game the session collapses for the night because just they're just busting my, excuse me, busting my chops. But I've never had, I, I can honestly say out of the three, I've never had everybody just not come back the next week. That hurts. Yeah. That, that, happened, that I could see. That, that happened to me, but that still hurt me. Oh no. I'd, I'd be sitting there. What, what the heck went on here? Well, we didn't like, you couldn't sit there and talk to me in between the sessions that it just, you know, pulling no call, no show. Yeah, that would be. I don't think I'd be sad. I'd be more angry than anything. It's like I put my all my time, and money, and you people didn't even have the you know the common guts to tell me you know this isn't working out. Let's try something different. You just not come back. Just yeah, I would be not surprised. I'd be angry because we game masters, we do we put a lot of effort into playing these campaigns for our players, and it's game master is supposed to have an open door policy if there is a problem that a player has you go to the gm i mean if you can't bring it up at the table bring it up off cameras or privately email i am whatever you know just or take them aside after get okay you know what this you know but yeah just to up and do that the entire group no that's that's not yeah, the GM did something wrong, but the players, you know, didn't address the situation. They just, oh, we'll we'll just walk away and ignore it. And I mean, that's a, that's a good way to end friendships, really. And I mean, gaming groups. I have friends from gaming groups that we're now going on thirty plus years. So yeah, it that that's if if you players are out there and you're having an issue with your GM, especially if it's a first time GM. Don't just up no call, no show next session. Talk to your GM. Let them know, okay, you know what? This isn't working out. That's working out. We didn't like what you did here. Can we try to change this? Because in the end, the GM, if he's wanting to be a good GM, they'll listen to the players and say, okay, I need to work on these things. Because if he keeps doing the same stuff, yeah, then after a while, it's just, okay, this ain't working out. We're done. But if you at least let the GM know that there are problems, again, this is the collaborative storytelling. It's also not in game. It's also out of game. It's not not only these players as their characters, but it's the players as a group. Out of game context, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I didn't it it can be anything from I don't like how this plot's going to I didn't like that, you know, the result of that die roll, even though it should have been a success. You still need to talk to your game master about that stuff. The fact that you two said that they just up and left the following week. Yeah. 
I'm just like, they literally didn't come back. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and I was ready for the next session, by the way, and nobody showed up. Well, yeah, because you had no inkling that they weren't going to come back. They gave you no warning. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm just shocked that they've done that to both of you. I'm like, Jeez. Well, you know, it's, it's lo- you, you you play if you're a GM long enough, weird things happen. You know, I feel bad for you too that 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 your ga- your gamers did that. Just wow, been forty years. It's okay. Yeah, but 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 still, it just yeah. As I said, for me, it was just I might have done or said something you know wrong, or I might have made a bad adventure or whatever, or a bad character concept. And my, uh, there's a handful of my players that still throw this stuff back at me 30 years later. And it, it's gotten to the point where I've had to snap at them and just say, okay, you know what? Let it go. And then, of course, it's the whole thing. It's okay when other people are an a-hole to you, but when you're an a-hole, all of a sudden it's a bad thing. Yeah, that's how it is. And I, I just had to tell them, you know what? It was 30 years ago. You don't game with me anymore, so you don't have to like it. You see me maybe once a year. And you still throw this stuff in my face. And just, yeah, that was my thing as far as being a game master and dealing with not so much a collapse of a campaign, but just things where the campaigns aren't as fondly remembered because of all the the chop busting. Now, I've had other people in my old gaming group that would have a character, a, a, a campaign idea, and they come back and it's like, yeah, it lasted maybe one or two sessions and just we weren't feeling it. Let's try something else. And 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 a few of them, you know, they, they still came back and did new campaigns and stuff, but they just let those campaign ideas sit. They never did anything with them again. And as I said, all campaigns have a purpose. Every single campaign that has come up with, you know, even ones that don't come up, you're still going to repurpose them later on. All campaigns have a shelf life, too. Yeah, after a while, they become, well, dated, I guess. Well, either you achieve the goals that you designed the campaign for, or you're just stretching it along because you don't want to put the effort into a new campaign. You know, pe- people are devoted to their existing characters. They don't want to retire them. But a lot of times you end up with something that's, you know, kind of tired and and uh, retreaded. And uh, really, you know, you could be having a much better time of it. And we're all about bringing the awesome to the table. So, you know, ha- have a, a moment in your mind when you say, okay, when we reach this point, the campaign's over. And uh, you know, make a you know make a great exit adventure or something like that. But don't keep it going just because you don't want to let it go. Yeah, that that's I, I like that. All campaigns have a shelf life. Yeah, it's as far as as a GM and even first time GMs may not realize this. You may th- and this is just like any other form of writing. And I've written the fanfic that became you know, the, the fluff text for Bureau 13 D20, the Team Candlestick stories, and any type of writer, whether it's you're making a campaign or writing a book, you go through the highs and lows of, this is the greatest idea ever. This will be everything to everyone. And, oh, dear God, I suck. How could I have written something like this? And you go through that often within a day's time span. And so you have to realize that yeah, the time for the campaign is over. Yeah, you've run these characters to 25th level. It's time to do something new. You may be done with this campaign, but the setting lives on. And you can bring it back in other ways. Revisit the world in a future campaign. Bring a character from that campaign into another one. So yeah, running a campaign has a shelf life, but campaigns don't have to die keeping the notes and I'm sure if I dig through my apartment I will find campaigns from 10 years ago. I just have a lot of areas with notebooks. It they're hidden in the TV console, the thing that I have here, the big mantelpiece, three or four bookshelves in my room, boxes in my closet. But yeah, we have 
I have here just if I dig far enough, I'll find campaigns from yeah, 10 years ago. I really don't throw out my campaign notes at the most. OK, the old characters. Yeah, the players are no longer my. Yeah, I can throw those campaign character sheets out. I'm not going to need them. But yeah, if you build. Well, if you build any campaign, it's going to have some measure of life. It's just. And there's nothing wrong with one shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can you can do a campaign. It's over. It's done. You ran it. It, 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 it can be done in a couple of sets. It can be over in a couple of sessions and it can be completely fine. That's one yeah. of the things I've I've I, I've read. Well, yeah, it could be just something to divert you from, you know, a palate cleanser from a previous campaign. Oh, I just yeah. want to run this for maybe a couple months and just be done. Excuse me. Be done with it. Yeah. That would be planning a very short campaign that, okay, this is the immediate goal. It's a campaign of you're in a caravan and this is what happens. You're going from here to here and that's the entire campaign. And it could be that and you're done and okay, you've reached campaign goal. Well, here's another reason why Fringeway is the greatest game that ever existed. Because as we all have experienced, you start up a campaign and somebody says, hey, can I bring in my character from the last campaign or from three campaigns ago? Or, hey, I just moved in your area and I've got this character and I really want to play it. Can I play it in your game? You know, and of course, it has all kinds of elaborate information that's completely not, does not exist in your world. Okay, but they still want to play the character. And they still want to play the character as if all those things have happened because this is how their character's character got built. All right? Frisbee is beautiful. It's like, oh, yeah, you're from some alternate earth. Sure, sure. You know, just remember things are different here. So, you know. You... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something I brought up. Yeah. And But they can bring all that baggage in with them. And when they start doing it, hey, let me tell you about my character, everybody can kind of go and say, yeah, you're from this alternate earth that did some stuff, right? Yeah, okay. We're on this adventure right now. So let's pay attention, would you please? You know, but yeah. if you do want to sit around in the campfire and tell stories about your past, you can still do that. And it isn't, it doesn't throw into the, like, they don't like, the players don't look at the GM and go, is this in your campaign? And my answer is always in Friendsbury, well, it's it's out there, you know, it, it's not in my particular story, but, you know, it doesn't mean it's not there. And if you find it so awesome that, you know, that maybe we could talk about going to visit his home world sometime. And uh, which, of course, their, their eyes get as big as saucers, you know, when they think about you actually being able to go back to their home world. And until you get there, you find out it's strangely different than how I remembered because someone else is running the world. <laughs> so. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm going through this now in the Saturday, the, the Robotech Nightbane game. Jeff DeRef made a Harry Potter Death Eater. We had, okay, yeah, we're all there on the Robotech Nightbane Earth, fine, and Jimmy gets kidnapped by Ian Karkaroff, the head of the Durmstrang School, for crimes of basically, you know, fleeing after Voldemort died. So basically, we had to get, well, those of us who were in Fringe were the cryogenically frozen, an 11-day trip down the Fringe Paths at 20 miles an hour, and we pull into, through the Edinburgh Warp on the world that was... I mean, if you read the Portals book, you know it's Harry Potter. Rich rubbed off the serial numbers. And so Jeff's run. Okay, we are now in the Harry Potter world. We are people from the Macross era of Robotech, and we basically pulled out into the We basically seriously screwed up this first contact. But Jeff is now giving us insight into this world that his character, Jimmy Hopkirk, only told us about. And yeah, Ramsey's character has some training in the Harry Potter magic and had a wand made for him. So he knows a little bit more about the world than everybody else does. Problem is, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I have nothing against those who love the fandom, and I know what's going on with the fandom now, the various things that fans are complaining about. But I'm not going to crap on your fandom. I realize it's a very powerful fandom. Unless it's Twilight. And then the, glo- and then the gloves are off. Well, yeah, see, we, we, we all kind of, yeah. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, whenever I run my Saturday game, because Jeff is playing Jimmy for now, this is the arc where he's going to phase out Jimmy and bring in another character. 
I have the Harry Potter wiki, wiki from fandom there at the ready because I need to know what he's talking about. I need to know, okay, what concept is he throwing at me? What is this? And so, yeah. So, yeah, that bringing in another character and from another campaign, from a, let's say, a campaign that bombed for one reason or another, and then you bring it over to this campaign, and if you have something like Fringeworthy, you can do this. You can still have life for that old campaign if only through that one character who may have been there. Heck, I'm doing that now with uh, the thir- my Thursday Star Trek game. Uh, Nymph, one of my players, Miranda. Yeah, this is a one-shot D&D 5e game or a 4e game. I'm still figuring out which edition it was. I converted to Pathfinder 1st Edition. She's now a Ferronian gnome on a Kelvin Star Trek uh, frigate. She's a tinkerer, so she's like an assistant engineer. So yeah, that one-shot campaign where Nymph gave me little, very little information. It died out. Pfft, done. The background she has in that campaign has helped forge that character. And this character, Fixie Shift Whistle, is a kick-ass character. Because I've sat down with her and she brought... Okay, she peed me an ocean as far as everything about that one-shot campaign. And I put it into that character and just, yeah, this character has flourished. Giving that campaign, which... I wouldn't know the person who in that campaign if I tripped over him in a crowd of one, but that one-shot campaign has some form of immortality in Nymph's character. So every campaign has a chance for life, even if it does not go the way you planned. That is something that, that we have to express here that is one of the many points for first-time ca- uh, campaign creation. It is something that, thankfully... Perky Goth and Trav have not had to deal with what they're creating Maze World is that it has a life which will last for years yet in some form or another. But if you do not have our luck, that just the, the stars are not right, the planets aren't in alignment, don't give up hope. It will come back in one way or another. Either do the campaign with a different group or bring a facet to the campaign, to another existing campaign, and that campaign will live on in some way, shape, or form. And, 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 as, and, and, and Bruce, you said that every campaign has a shelf life. So th- this is that whole, you know, Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. In other words, you got to know when to end a campaign, when to continue in a different venue or a different place. I think that that knowledge comes, you know, I mean, you, you know, when I just, I just think you need to keep it in your mind. The fact that it, there's going to come a point where it's time to end the campaign. And when you realize that that time has come, then you don't have to fight it. You know, don't fight it. Just go ahead and, and make it a good ending, you know, and then go on to something else. You know, that way everybody, you know, gets a big boost you know, in new characters and new situations, and it can really invigorate everybody. Maybe it's an opportunity for one of your players to get to be a GM with their campaign that they've been wanting to do, but you were so busy hogging the the GM spot that nobody, you know, thought that they could possibly replace you or you would never let it happen. So I'm just saying is that, you know, the idea that campaigns end, it can be very freeing and it can be very supportive of the other players. Jonathan, any other aspects of first-time campaign creation that you might want to fire in here real quick? My only thing would be, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be Uh, afraid to to put out what you think is junk. Because undoubtedly, when especially if it's your first time, but it happens to everyone, especially if whoever, if you have a creative bent to your personality, is you are always you're going to be your worst critic oh yeah your own worst critic and you if you don't go ahead and start and run what you think could be just the like what they call the the mvp the minimum viable product if you if get it to where it's okay this is good enough to start and don't be afraid to have it not work because again you can always look and see okay well this is where you know i had some holes this is where i need to patch some problems Fix, you know, fix what you can, but yeah, you got to get started. You got to, you got to start, you got to run it. You got to get it out there because you, if it's always in development, you'll never run it and yeah. ne- no one will enjoy it. 
better to have a a game that didn't go quite as you you hoped and that you can learn from and improve than to never have a game at all. Yes. You know, if it comes down to it, cut out all the parts that are iffy and play the parts you have. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's this technique called in media res where you basically drop them into the scene that you really want them to be in and you just basically, you know, give them a little bit of backstory and hand-waving and you could have that one scene that you've always wanted and then you're done with it. You can move on. So don't let don't let the, the, the campaigns that you always wanted to run but never could keep you from doing the campaign that you could really do and do a good job with. First-time campaign creation, in a way, it's like... It, first time motherhood. Exactly. First time parenthood. Yeah. So in a you weird have no way. no idea what's going on. You have this baby in your hands and you're like. Uh, yeah. Hi. Hi there. Which end is the smelly one? I can't tell. Wow. <laughs> Remember, folks, real dads do diapers. That's right. Um, yeah. I did the first one. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, Wow. <laughs> Okay, yeah, first-time campaign creation. A campaign, whether it's your first or your millionth that you've planned, it's like one of your children. So in a weird way, both Maze World and Time Lords and Magic are kind of mine and Perky God's campaign kids because these are the two campaigns we've plotted together. But you you watch it grow through the manipulations of the players within that game. Sadly, some campaigns don't work as you plan, and it and it could end first session. It could end halfway through the first session. It could end people not coming back the next week, like we've mentioned. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where you're running three separate campaigns in the same world. You make a guest appearance to that campaign once. All of them are rewarding in some way because of the fact that they're all learning experiences. They will help you be a better game master in the end and a better player if you are in someone else's campaign playing. I want to thank Perky Goth for joining us on this episode. This is something that's been about two and a half years in the making. Thank you again, Gina. Oh, no problem. If you ever uh, want someone to ask ask tough questions about first time planning something, I'm definitely the person to drag on to drag onto the scene. Okay, all right. We'll give I you plenty of warning. Now that, the lore. Yeah, if, if, yeah, now that you have your Skype password reset again, that was the thing. I was like, oh, crap, she's got to do that. Just do it via email. Um, so, yes, if you want to contact us about this episode, your experiences creating a campaign for the first time, please go to, on Facebook, Fans of the Gaming on the Frontier podcast, Bureau 13 Agents Everywhere, Fringeworthy RPG Fans. You can leave a comment for us at the Podbean site, tritechsystems.podbean.com. You can leave a comment for us on iTunes because we are we, we distribute our podcasts there. Uh, Bruce, Jonathan, and I are on social media. Um, so am I. <laughs> if, yeah, and, and Perky got this too under Gina Osborne, J-E-N-A. And then Osborne, like Ozzy, you know, how that's spelled. And uh, O-S-B-O-R-N-E, you. I've had the same email for 40 years. Please, don't tell me you can't find me. Yeah, yeah, no, this is, this is a long story. Um, but yeah, as I keep saying, feedback, feedback, feedback. We want to know your trials and tribulations. We want to know the things you people have been through in creating a campaign for the first time, the highs and the lows. and I would say this is more of the conceptualization phase before you actually start planning anything. Yes. And so, so how vastly your campaign has changed since you started doing it. We want to hear about all those things. We've given you the details on how to contact us. And if you have something specifically to ask Perky Goth about, the Maze World campaign or just her experiences dealing with me. And okay, yeah, you had somebody who was a published role-playing game designer. You know, you that, that you had a ringer, you know, still. She still went through the problems. It's just she had me to contact right away if something was up. But yeah, if you want to talk to her, I will get in touch with you, Gina. And then I will say, yeah, this person here on this 
said this, okay, let me know what you want to, you know, we'll bring in and you can answer them or I can pass it along. But yes, if you have a question for any of us, because we've all been through it. If you're a GM, you've had your first time creating a campaign from scratch. It is, it, it's almost a baptism by fire. So contact us to find out, you know, so we can find out what you've been through. We will have more for what all you're of currently going through. Oh, exactly. If you're doing something now, yeah. We will have more for you all next week. But you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.